Well, you are the nines that are going to be talking today. Um, so that's uh, great because other nines are going to be saying the same thing. Yeah, I like listening to other nines because I'm trying to figure out myself. So once you start rolling and talking, um, I think it's going to be it's going to be helpful to a lot of folks. I'm going to give a description of the nine, and then I want to hear you guys talk about yourselves a, a little bit and see if that that makes sense or how you would articulate it yourself. And we're doing this with the focus on the centers, uh, head, heart, and body, or gut as some speak of it. And so for the nine, uh, the nines typically have this pattern of uh, self-forgetting or of pulling or withdrawing their thoughts, their feelings, even sometimes physically, like trying to pull back as a way of maintaining what their core need that they feel that they have, which is uh, the core need of peace, of harmony, of comfort. And depending upon the nine, those words can ring really, really true more so than another one. So there tends to be several different words around this concept that fit for the nine. So some say comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Some it's it's really relational peace. I want to maintain that. The nine will pull back. Oftentimes we'll kind of try to keep, make sure that everybody's okay and in the process losing who they are. Some body types will go from body to head and uh, seldom visit the heart space. And that is true for a lot of, a lot of nines. Or if you feel the emotion, there's a dampening effect that the nines tend to do with the, the emotions. Uh, so it's, I don't like the disruption I feel. And even with other people uh, and their intensity of emotion, it's, it's a little much. And so there's this, like, how can I absorb that as well, right? So there's the absorption of your own emotion and then the absorption of the world, uh, the emotions of the world around. So a bit of a shock absorber type in that sense as a way of maintaining that sort of comfort, that inner calm, that peace. So this is a seven describing the nine. So I want to hear <laughs> you nines describe yourselves. Does that make sense? What would you say about that? Anyone can start. <laughs> I defer to others. Yeah. <laughs> I think it sounds accurate. For me, it's um, mostly acting the body, but I go to the heart before I go to the to the thinking or to the head. I feel emotions intensely but i also don't but i don't express them i would say mm-hmm. so I, I think the shock absorber is a good analogy i absorb the negative emotions around me but i just sit with them so i go to the heart rather than go to the head for me as a nine okay yeah i feel like i always feel or even express my emotions by myself like i don't want to put that on anyone else, whether it's in the car by myself or just when I'm home alone, that's when I'll start thinking about something that made me angry or sad or something like that. And I don't have to let anyone see that or talk about it with anyone. That's when I'm just kind of kind of soaking it, but I don't really give myself the opportunity to process it with anyone else or anything like that. Mm. Okay. And sometimes I feel like that's the best way to do it. <laughs> like as a nine, I feel like it's best to sit back and wait, process, and then express or engage and have a conversation. It's just as a nine, like I would never engage in the moment. It's too risky. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know what might come out of my mouth because I haven't thought about it. So mm-hmm. I, yeah. when I hear him describe that, I'm like, well, that's the right way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, if someone like hurts me or says something that I didn't think was right or I feel like I need to, there's a situation with someone else that I need to approach, I'll just deal with that inside with myself and then I feel like I don't have to deal with it with them anymore. But it doesn't mm. 100% solve the issue. Right. So the, there's still, like it's still inside me when I see that person again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I totally do that too. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's not good. Yeah, I think I internally process. However, I do find that when I actually talk about it out loud and somebody gives me feedback, I can get to the bottom so much faster because I can process for weeks. But then if I talk to a friend and they give me feedback, I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel. No, you're right. That's it. You got to, that's it. That was it. How did you get that? (laughs) And I can then walk through it so much better if I actually process with somebody. But doing that is not frequent. Mm. More apt to process on my own and think and then decide if it's important enough to ever bring up. Mm. It's oftentimes not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, ah, it's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, back to your question about the body and the comfort. And so it's been really interesting when I when I read the Enneagram and my wife and I did it together and we're like, oh, you're the, you're the, and you know, we found, and it's like, wow, this is so me because... I do love to be comfortable, like physically comfortable. Like I love this chair right now. This is the cushiest chair in this room and I love it. (laughs) Um, I come home from work. My wife jokes every time that, you know, within minutes I'm like in my jammies, you know, (laughs) I'm ready to like, work clothes are gone and I'm comfortable for the rest of the night. You know, I like to be, I like to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along last year, I ran, ran across a quote. I think it was Richard Rohr, but he said like, why have a conversation standing up when you could be sitting down? for that conversation. And why have that conversation sitting down when you could be laying down? So <laughs> that is totally me. And it, you know, so it's, it's just funny. So the physical comfort is a big thing that I identify with as an mm. I at work, at home, wherever I am. So that's interesting. I just like it. You know? Yeah. Makes me feel at peace. And then I definitely identify with the harmony and peacemaking and relationships. I don't like there to be tension or anger or strong emotions. I always try to like, you know, try to, smooth out the mm-hmm. the high places and whether it's with my kids fighting or my wife or work or whatever I'm, mm. I'm and I'm good at it. I'm good at mediating mm. conflict like you know this is what this person's saying this is what that person's saying if you guys can understand each other we can come to a better place but because that I don't like it when it's that way so it's definitely part of being a nine for me there's a remarkable skill that each type develops because it is something they work so hard at. And the ability to uh, to perceive what is going to bring about comfort and the least amount of conflict and disruption is is a skill set that, um, that nines have, have developed really well. In this season, we're talking about how do we deal with the three centers as types? So the three centers of the head, the heart, and the body, or the gut, and you're in the body triad, the gut triad. And the gut triads are people that tend to trust their body more so than they trust perhaps their head and their heart. But with each triad, there's one in the triad that tends to do almost the opposite of that. There's still very much that type or that center. So for the body types, it's the nine. For the heart types, it's the three. And for the head types, it's the six. And so the three that are supposed to be in the heart center would feel more emotion, but they tend to feel less. Uh, The body types, the nines, are action-oriented, but can also be the ones that tend to pull back from uh, their body and 
because of the sense of I might be taking up too much space. Maybe I need to just pull back and, and withdraw. And the sixes in the, in the head triad can sometimes be the least rational uh, uh, in the head triad because of the worry and the fear that's functioning there. So the body triad, U9s being in the body, the center of the body triads. So what do you do with your thoughts? Uh, let's start there. What do you do with your thinking? How does it support your need to have peace, to have harmony, to have comfort? I actually was talking to my husband about this, and I can replay a situation until I feel it has the outcome that brings me the most peace. So if I feel like, for instance, someone has hurt me, I can play it over again until I've walked through their shoes, until I've been through the situation, until I'm like, no, this is what they actually meant. And then I'll be like, oh, I'm okay now. Like I can replay the story until it plays out in my head the way I want the way that brings me, like, I can breathe again and be like, it's okay. It might not be necessarily true. Right. Oh, no. Okay. But that, right. But I can somehow, like, I'll try to understand them to a point that then it's like I can accept it and let it go. Mm. Interesting. So I think I constantly replay and replay. Yeah. Until you find, like, this is the narrative that makes me feel the Yes. <laughs> That I can be like, oh, I'm okay now. Yeah. And it's it's an avoidance of actually dealing with it Mm. in the physical world, in the Mm. real world. It's it's very much in the headspace. Yeah. Yeah. I never really understood the body part. I mean, I haven't done, gone into depth in that at all. So I, I mean, the only thing I think of with with my body, if if I'm in that body part, would be the physical comfort. You know, I like, you know, I like my body to be physically comfortable, Mm. whatever I'm doing. Um, I don't like exercise, so I like to eat what I want to eat. So, I mean, these are these are where it gets unhealthy, but, you know, that is me. So, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, mm-hmm. but is there more, I don't know, where else is the body plague? Is that what you mean? Or yeah. What, yeah. Well, so we can definitely explain. Did you have, wanted to say something about that? I was going to say that yeah. for me, when I think of the body, I think of action. Mm-hmm. That I also don't like to exercise, but I know that when I do that it's really, really helpful for my personality type. So th- there's this this concept that Joel's talked about with the, the nine is also a sloth that I've had a hard time wrapping my head around because I like to do, do, do. So when I think of the body, I think of action and getting stuff done. I love a checklist. I like mm-hmm. getting that stuff done on that checklist. But when it comes to myself and taking care of my body, that's where I find I'm slothful. Mm-hmm. So when I think of the body, I think of action and all the things I'd like to do. So my husband is not in that same thing. And he's always like, stop doing so much. But for me, it's like I feel energized when I do stuff. So for me, that's how the body mm-hmm. action kind of fits well into said. a nine. Yeah. That's well said. So it's interesting to hear about the you wanting to be comfortable. I think, I I don't know. That's an interesting. Well, thought. and it's okay for there to be difference. Actually, yeah. it's it's important to articulate that. In all of our podcasts, we want there to be not agreement and uniformity. We we actually want diversity within that because it's true of the types. It's very true of the types. Um, and nines are wildly different from one to the next. You can have a nine that can be a workaholic. And you can be a nine that tends to, I got a buddy of mine was in college with, love this guy. He's a super good friend, but said he would stare at the window, out the window for hours at a time and be totally comfortable in that space. And, uh, and I would come in to his dorm room and he would just be noodling on the guitar and like his body, it was like perfectly still. There was no motion, just like 
noodling on the guitar. And he'd go, hey, what's up? I'd go, hey, you want to go to the gym? No. <laughs> and and it, to me, it was really funny that he could be so comfortable not in motion, and I was so uncomfortable being still, right? So two opposite ends of the spectrum. But that's obviously, I'm a seven, so that's different. But with nines, it's also that wildly different where you have nines that can't sit still like yourself who need to be in motion. But it's still feeding the same sort of issue, which is I'm in motion because it helps me to then feel comfort and to feel some peace. Um, And so your attention tends to go towards that, right? The issue of sloth for the uh, nine is that it's the forgetting of right action. So this is the body-centered kind of um, characteristic, is body-centered people, if they tune into their gut, their gut tells them what action needs to be taken. So it's action first before even sort of rationalizing and feeling emotion. The nine tends to forget right action. Action, yes, or no action, but either one may not be the right action. So does that, does that make sense? I just watched Frozen 2 this weekend with the kids and family, and there's a line in there like, just take the next right step, I think, or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. That ring, that, that, I remember that from the movie. I'm like, that's, that's good. I like that. And I don't know why, but I, yeah. maybe that's, you know, take the next, do the next right thing. It's one of my takeaways from yeah. <laughs> Go see it. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for me, it's like taking that step, like getting the ball rolling. So I'll get home from work. And I just want to, like, yeah, I just want to sit down put on some comfortable clothes. It's nice. This time of year, it's cold, so I'm wearing long underwear. I literally just sit in my long underwear on the couch, and it's just the best. <laughs> I don't even have to get changed into comfortable clothes. I'm already wearing them. <laughs> so um, I love sea kayaking. I love running. But, like, getting the running shoes on, putting the kayak on the car, what a hassle. But once I'm out there, like, on the water, I'm like, I can't believe the best roller coaster in the world is a mile from my house. And it was mm-hmm. free. And I'm having a blast. I'm literally laughing out loud while kayaking. But to get myself out there was just like so hard and almost seemed impossible. Mm-hmm. And once I do, it's like the best decision I made all day. And so I think that too, but I think everybody thinks that. That doesn't feel that way for you as a seven. Wow. <laughs> no, this is a unique thing to nines where, um, and other types do too. Do too. Certain other types will, will also think, how much is this going to cost me in terms of doing? But what's unique to how you guys describe this, and I love how you articulated that, Brian, that's really mm-hmm. well said, um, is uh, I have a therapist friend who's a nine, and she says, I can do, it's the whole motion. Once you're in motion, you're in, you can stay in motion for the nine. Yeah. It's the stopping and then starting up again. That seems to be the, the difficulty. Mm-hmm. So... Um, she describes like I can meet with clients all day long. Joel, I can go ten hours doing doing that, and I'm fine. But if there's a gap in between one to the next, I literally do not like. I start to feel anxiety about I have to get up and I have to go, you know, meet this next client. And it's the space in between that is where the nine starts to go, you know, and finds comfort in that space again. And then any disruption threatens that, that, that comfort. Mm. Yeah. I feel that like I can hustle at work all day and that's not a problem for me, but sitting in the car for an hour to drive home and then get home and try to restart doing things is just, it's so hard. Mm. So to try to trigger that, I try to do like a chore when I get home, like, like a real simple one, like 
put the trash out. Something like that, just like to get myself going again. So you can check it off the list. <gasps> so fun. <laughs> Your checklists work well for me at work, but it is it is it is the getting going. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's it's the idea of inertia. You know, inertia is like once you're moving, you have inertia to keep yep. moving. Or when you're stopped and still, I have inertia to stay still. Hmm. It's that yes. getting into the transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is, that's true of me as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna stop. Hmm. I feel like I'm so much about myself right now. I know. It's so helpful. <laughs> Cooking and cleaning a house, I always say I don't vacuum because I hate the act of going to the closet, of moving the things, of taking the vacuum out to vacuum. So I would choose to just sweep and make my life. Like, it's the movement. Yeah, it's getting there. It's working out. I'm the opposite. I love movement, working out every day. Like, I, I can breathe. I can settle down for the day. But pulling the weights out, putting the mat out, settling the kids, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, the getting there is so hard. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm learning. Mm. <laughs> so, so this is really good. Let's press in a little bit to why is that? Why is that difficult? What What do you either feel in your body or in your thoughts? What's going on when you're like, ugh, I have to do this? Um, what's is there? Is there an anticipation of discomfort in the act of doing the preparation, the the getting up and going to do something once you're sitting down, what's, what's happening in your, in your head and in your body and possibly even in your heart. I'm thinking about everything else I need to do and how the timeline's going to work the rest of the day. So if I think about exercising when I come home from work, I'm thinking about then that sets back dinner preparation. We have two international students who live with us, so then they're going to be hungry. Dinner's not going to be ready till 7. That's not fair to them. So then you just deny yourself and get on, do what's best for everybody else in the home. Mm. That's my bad default. Okay. Like, yeah. even if I'd work out for 10 minutes, it'd be more than what I'm doing. But I'm thinking I've got to do at least 30. And so then it's going to just affect everybody else in the house. So just forget about it. Mm. Yeah. And if I think about doing it in the morning, well, they need lunches made, and then I might be late to work, and that disappoints my boss. Like, I just do this whole <laughs> yeah. thing of, like, the world's going to fall apart if I take care of myself. I don't mm-hmm. It's bad. You're, isn't that something? Because it's always you're, in, you're the problem. You have to sort of pull back on yourself so much. Yeah. 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 I see some head nodding. So what do you guys think? When I'm thinking about what I need to do, there's a time. There's constantly a timetable in my head on how much I can fit into a certain time. And I will nix the things that don't fit in to it. But in my head, I'm always calculating that next step and how it's going to affect the rest of the day and everyone in the day. Okay. So if it comes like we're meeting somebody, you know, for a play date. Oh, like, oh, I'm going to work out this morning. And then I'm like, okay, if I work out at 10, I'm not done until 1040. And then the kids might need since it's 1050. Oh, I don't have time. I might run late. So I'll just pull that completely back and do something else with the kids before I go on the play date. Hmm. How much can I, can I fit in this slot? And is it going to affect other people negatively if I put too much in it? I really think for me, it's just, you know, get the idea of, of getting up and doing the next thing. I think it's just that I'm I'm comfortable where I'm at right now in this moment. <laughs> and, and if I have to go do something different, I have to change. And it's just me. It's just leaving that. It's that inertia idea again. It's just I like I like as it is in this moment. I'm I'm good. You're really tuned into and, comfort. Yeah. And I just don't want yeah. to change. You know, okay, I know I, I know I actually do want to do that thing or I may need to do that thing. And now is the time to do that thing. So I will go do that thing. But it's just, 
just, it's like in my mind, you know, like, but I really like what I'm doing right now yeah. <laughs> or where I'm, you know, so I, I think that's, yeah. I think it's more of me enjoying the, yeah, the lack of or wherever that present moment and anything different is just something I'd rec- rather avoid. Mm. I don't know. It's just, yeah. that's just how I am. Yeah. <laughs> So this is a little bit about the body and and how, you know, the body can find itself comfortable in being still and not doing something. But the head where it comes in is the perception of how it might impact other people, how what I'm doing might impact them negatively. And so then there's the uh, pulling back on the self. And um, so maybe we talk a little bit more about that, the thoughts. Where do you thoughts, you've already started down that path of describing, like, my thoughts go to this, this, and this. And it's different. For you, it's definitely people-related. Dave, you were describing it as being physical, like the comfort of just sitting there. And, yeah, maybe talk about how do your thoughts support your need for comfort? Well, what will motivate me out of that spot is the thought— Okay, this person's gonna be really pissed off. Uh, pissed off if I don't do this, you know. <laughs> like, there's gonna be there's gonna be disharmony in my home or in my workplace if I don't do this. Cl- make this phone call to this client or do this thing that my wife asked me to do. So that will motivate me to action. So I think that's an example of yeah. that. Yeah. And I, if that conflict happened, that would be a real bad thing. So I'll sacrifice my comfort in this moment and I'll go do that thing. <laughs> Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I've heard other nines describe when you go to your thoughts. There's a, a thinking about who it's going to impact or how it's going to disrupt me personally. And also the escape to the thoughts can be itself a way to avoid doing the thing that you're supposed to do. And so the overthinking and like getting caught in that rationalizing, the thinking, the, the spinning, the, um, well, it could be this, it could be that. So, for example, if there's a conflict well, it could be this, it could be that. Well, maybe they're thinking this, maybe they're thinking that. The high side is that you're capable of of actually helping sometimes people have peace, right? Discover peace between themselves. The low side is I'm doing this in part to escape, to avoid this incredible discomfort I'm feeling right now because there's conflict. And so you developed a skill at being able to not pay attention to your own feelings and thoughts in the moment and recognize and pay attention to everybody else's. And so that's one example of some nines have described this to me as part of the mechanism of actually not doing the thing that they need to do. Well, how long can you run that hamster wheel of thinking? Like how many hours can pass (laughs) (laughs) before you have to go, oh, now I really need to do this thing. Yeah. 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 I, I, I can relate to that. Yeah, I'm thinking of a work situation where there was conflict and talk to Joe often about needing to engage that and just what you said that it can be a good thing for the other party if I would engage it it's for my growth but it's also for theirs so I really tried to think about that and I really think I could have but then it felt like too much time passed that it was awkward to go back and address that so that sometimes is a problem with the nine is that you think about it for so long and then finally come to some peace with it and then it's like I mean, a week later to address something or a work conflict is really kind of weird, you know. So so I tend to not because I've thought about it for so long mm. and finally came to, okay, I can do this. And then it just feels like it's weird, you know. So I've had nines come to me and apologize for something that happened several months ago. 
And you appreciate it? And I have no recollection of it whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it didn't even register as an issue for me to begin with. (laughs) And then I completely, you know, forgot about it. But so to your point, like the overthinking and that not getting to a point of or being late in finally dealing with the issue is is common for a lot of yeah. yeah. I mean, this situation actually brought me to tears. I ended up crying mm-hmm. at work, which mm-hmm. it's not common that that happens. But there was something going on that was really serious for me, and I needed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that I did, but I felt like I had things to learn, but this other person could have been helped by, my, by me engaging it, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. But I just think, you know, how it is at work. I'll get another opportunity, right? <laughs> I, it'll happen. You know, it'll come up again. And then I need to be, I hope I'm better prepared to engage it next time. Because mm. the other person definitely recognized that there was a problem, but I wouldn't talk about it when they came to me. I wasn't ready to. Mm. So, mm. There'll be more opportunities. I just need to take them. Mm. Yeah, maybe have a, a shorter timeline between, you know, even maybe a deadline for yourself that, it's like, okay, I'm going to think about it this much, but then yeah. at this point, I'm going to arbitrarily pick maybe 48 hours or something, and yeah. at that point, I'm going to make a Or decision. I should even say to the other person, because I'm close enough to them to say, I can't talk about it now, but I would like to talk about it tomorrow. Like, that would be a good step for me, because it would hold me accountable mm. to follow through and do it. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> and that would give you the time to kind of process it. Um, yeah. Because I feel like for me... In the moment, I can't think of what to say. Mm. So when someone comes at me, maybe more aggressively, I'm like, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) But then give it a day. I'm like, I should have stood up for myself. I should have maybe just chilled out and explained the way I saw this situation. Maybe we could have actually come to a resolution instead of me just kind of getting pushed over or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know? I work with a lot of women, and I imagine, this may not be true, that in my environment at work, it may be easier to do what I just said. I'm thinking probably in a union with plumbers, guys, would it be awkward to say, hey, can I talk to you about that tomorrow? I don't know. I don't even know how to yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. You know? So I've like That's... I've had to train myself to like, when I see conflict coming, when I see my boss coming at me, I know that he's not happy about something. Because there's a physical reaction yeah. when I, that's already coming. Even if I don't even know if he's mad at me, when I see him coming, uh, it depends on who my foreman is or my boss is, but I've worked for a lot of aggressive people. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I already see them coming, like, what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And I'm preparing for a conflict and I usually just lay down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to, like, calm myself physically. Like, I, I don't know. I think I try to breathe more calmly. And then it helps me think through what I'm going to say. I try to slow down the pace of the conversation so I can kind of give myself time to think. I don't know how I would do that, how I would yeah. say, can we talk about this tomorrow? Because yeah, it's usually it be weird, involving right? something that needs to happen right now. Right. That would be really hard. That would take a lot of practice, I think. Yeah, it has. Mm. <laughs> What's the physical feeling you feel? You mentioned a physical feeling when... You notice someone coming at you with, and you anticipate it's going to be a negative. Yeah, I feel like I tighten up and almost go into like a tunnel vision. Like I feel like I almost black out. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Like everything disconnects from itself. And then I automatically say things like, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, sure. And then afterwards, I'm like, I didn't like explain my view. I didn't 
we could have had probably a better outcome if I could have articulated what was actually happening and what maybe this person was misunderstanding. But I just kind of gave that whole opportunity to maybe even have a better outcome because when the conflict was there, I just kind of stepped back and went into autopilot and just went, yeah, sure, okay, just to end it as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. For me, with strong personalities, I immediately start thinking in my head, they must be right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then later, I'm like, they're not right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it because they're so strong and yes. sure about what they're saying. I'm like, they they must be right. Yeah. When someone wants something, nines, I've heard a lot of people say they don't know what they want. And so when someone knows what they want, I'm like, well, that matters more than mm. me. I don't know what I want. So what they want. Right. Should matter more, mm-hmm. or they have such a strong opinion. They've yes. clearly looked into it, so they're right. Yeah, I'll just no, they're right. <laughs> yeah, clearly right. they have knowledge, even if they don't. They sound like they do. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll defer to them. But physically, yeah, if someone's coming at me, or I feel like there's going to be confrontation, immediately I feel like everything tight. My chest tightens, my temperature rises so fast, and I feel like I'm overheating. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. So yeah, you kind of defer to the other person, but. Yeah, I think panic sets in really quickly for me if I feel like someone's coming at me or they're going to say something to me. And I start thinking, well, what can I say? Like if a, if a cop car is behind me, immediately think I'm going to get pulled over. I'm like, well, what am I going to say? Okay, well, what's gonna, if they pull me up for speeding, I'll just say, I didn't know there was a hill. I didn't mean to, like I can play out the whole thing. So yeah. I'm prepared for the conversation in case I am pulled over for speeding. And I'll get nervous. Yeah, I'm like immediately. Like, <gasps> yeah, even in non-conflict situations, like going out to eat, if I look at the menu online beforehand, that helps me out a lot because I don't have to make a decision right there when the waiter is waiting or <laughs> just pick the thing you ordered last time that you were comfortable with. that gives you comfort. Yeah. <laughs> and then next time you go out to eat, pick the thing you ate last time. Yeah. <laughs> then you eat That's, the same thing every time. There's, there's no conflict, no anxiety. That's, that's how I do it. <laughs> I was just thinking the conflict, oftentimes I will just absorb that negativity from that person, whether it's justified or not in that moment. I'll just, okay, lay it on me, you know, and I'll, and I'll just stay silent. If it's really upsetting me, I'll probably leave. I'll want to, I'll just want to physically get away because I don't want to engage because I don't like anger and I try to bury my own anger. And that's what I've learned through the Enneagram. It's helped me be aware of the anger that I have and find some ways to expressing that. You know, because um, for decades I I buried all that. You know, I kept it all down, mm. and then and then it would explode every once in a while. So that's that for me. That's part of my personality mm. is is so in conflict. Somehow I have the ability to just stand there and take it, and I think it doesn't really affect me that much. But sometimes, but it does. You know, it's it's there. Mm. So the best way that I found is to do talk about it. But I can't talk about it in the moment. It's just, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, unless I just start yelling and I just let it go right then, which is very rare for me. But sometimes that 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 works. So I don't know. But that seems very out of character for me. I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. yelling back at someone or using strong language back at them in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But it does help to talk about it later if that person will do that. Mm. The reason why I'm asking you that question, particularly about the body, is because as a body type, you're tendency because you're a nine is to repress a lot of things that are going on in your head, heart, and body as a way to avoid um, the discomfort or the conflict. Your natural starting point is your body. 
And so a lot of nines, when they begin to figure that out and begin to use their body more, they do discover that there's there's more that can guide them and more that can they can tune into a whole lot more in terms of them, how they feel emotionally. They can tune into the right action that needs to be taken at any given moment. You've discovered, you mentioned, Brian, how at first you, you, your body tightens up. You each mentioned a sort of physical uh, reaction to that moment when you're about to face uh, conflict. The awareness of your body is really important in sort of your own growth is to pay attention, not as a way of repressing the body, but as a way of reclaiming the body back into your day-to-day. So your body and now your head, let's talk about uh, your thoughts. We talked a little bit about that and how you use your thoughts to help you to avoid, to plan out things, to think through, you know, what's going to happen that my, my foreman's coming at me or, you know, this, this conflict's going to happen possibly tomorrow and what that experience is like for you. Let's talk about going into now the heart and, and how you tend to, again, absorb a lot of intensity around you, particularly assertive personalities that uh, are in your world. How do you use your emotions? What's happening with you when you're uh, repressing the emotions. Maybe talk about that. I think for me that it is a silent anger. I think it just goes along with having to process and think about stuff. I would say that I don't blow up too often unless I'm in a really safe environment. But other than that, it's it's like a silent anger, just uh, shut down and quiet and short. So I'm thinking about work, and I'm not typically like that, but I am like that. People are like, leave her. I think people are like, leave her alone. (laughs) I don't know, just leave her alone. (laughs) It's kind of my sense because I just can't take any more in, and Hmm. I think people can tell. And I feel bad about that, but it's like I'm just, it's all like right there, and I just have to, I just have to withdraw and be quiet. Is there a relief when you express your anger when you finally uh, communicate your emotion? I would never do that in like my workplace. So I don't know. No, I would feel bad. I would feel. But could you communicate that anger to your husband back home privately? Oh, later yeah. And that feels good. <laughs> yeah, you, know. you have no problem with Poor that. Poor guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do it with him. So that's where the relief him. comes. Yeah. Yeah, I can process with him. And even if there's conflict with us, so again, if it's a, it's a safe, that feels like a safe environment to me. So then I don't have a problem like expressing that. But there's very few places that I would express that. There's no other place I would express that. <laughs> yeah, so the poor guy. <laughs> I relate to what you said, uh, Trish, about you have a conflict with someone and then you replay it in your mind until you can come to some kind of a, resolution like oh that's what must have been what motivated them or that's why they said that and now that now i understand like to get to a point of understanding possibly why the conflict happened so i do that i played over in my mind a lot and that seems to help me i don't know deal with it and there will be a lot in my head after a conflict for months or years Hmm. yeah right yeah really so you you too see some head nodding here really you'll replay it for a while afterwards Oh, yeah. 
My husband, before the Enneagram, and this is, I think I said to you on the phone where it's been so good for us, is he used to say, you don't forgive and move on. I'm like, no, no, it's, I have forgiven you. I just I just thought about this. And I'm like still processing. And it happened five years earlier. So yeah. since the Enneagram, he's, he has said, he's like, I understand you. It's not a matter of forgiveness or not forgetting. He's like, you're literally still processing. And it's not every day, but it will periodically come up. And I just run through it again and try to understand it. And then it goes away. And then it will come back. And and it, it it can go on for hmm. yeah years. So he now calls me a perpetual processor. Huh. <laughs> and I'm like, I wouldn't have thought of that. But yeah, I will, you know, someone will say something. And a year later, I'm still thinking it through like, hmm, I don't know if that's true. Is that true? Like, <laughs> that, that's not me. Like, I will still process it. And I'm not mad. I'm not upset. But I have not yet come to like a place of closing it closure i guess i don't know mm-hmm. or maybe i'm going to process it for 30 more years i hope not <laughs> do you see what's happening with your your body and head and then heart is you experience um something that happens some conflict something that disrupted you and because you don't want to face that issue because it may create even more discomfort then you ascend to the head and in the headspace, anything is possible. So you can create narratives, you can create scenarios. And that seems to satisfy you temporarily because it takes the edge off. But then the emotions that you felt are not ever being surfaced or processed. They're still functioning underneath. And so the body has used the head as a mechanism to keep the comfort, to preserve that as best as possible and to um, repress, and it uses the uh, the emotional center and sort of you know represses that. So that's causes the perpetual, and the reason why the mind continues to process that is because the emotional center isn't satisfied. It still has that pain internally, even though you've tamped it down. And you know, narcotiz- narcotization is the you know um, the word that's used about how nines um, deal with that. And so the more tuning more into the heart space and actually dealing with the anger, right or wrong, because it's emotion. It's not right or wrong. It's just emotion. As a body type, your tendency is to go to right and wrong thinking, right? You're all nodding your heads. <laughs> it's, it's, that's where your, your thoughts tend to go. In your, your heart space isn't right or wrong. Your heart, your heart just feels. It's just emotion. And so if the emotions are experienced more, there's less le- there's less going to be a need for the whole mental processing that can, hmm. you know, uh, keep that thing alive for a long time. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, because when I try and think through something, I get to a point and I'm like, but what if that's not right? What if what I'm, I've come to my conclusion, there's always two sides to a story. So mm-hmm. what if I'm not right? And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> So I think you think yeah. about it too much and you want to get to a point where you've got it figured out. But then I always question myself. So you're saying go to the feeling side of it and feelings aren't right or wrong. Just be address the feeling, be comfortable mm. with the feeling. Yeah. And that will interrupt that head body kind of thing where the body feels like, well, it didn't feel right. But then the head goes, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. I could be wrong. So that's the whole like in the headspace, anything's possible, right? We the head types, we can think of a lot of different scenarios, which is, tends to be our problem, is we can spin for a long time. But body is more of that right, wrong action. Let's um, let's move forward, and 
because you're the nine in the body center, but because you've repressed a lot of that, you go to the head to utilize that as a way to, you know, deal with the, the, the discomfort of that conflict or that disruption. It keeps it alive because the emotions themselves are never brought in because the emotions themselves are, I'm angry. That's what's functioning underneath of the nine. I'm angry about this. That, per, that foreman who came at me, it's like underneath there's anger. Like I've been violated in some sense. Yeah. So it's leaning a little bit more into the emotions that can then sort of start to settle down the whole mental um, spin and keeping that thing alive for a long time. Yes. Many times in just in marriage, you know, mm. get angry. It, it It's always best when I can say this is what I was feeling. This is why I was angry. I mean, how many times have we gone through that in married life? And that that's what I think of when you say an example of it, mm. of it working is, yeah, to not bury that down, but to tell my wife this is what I was feeling and why. And we've grown in that. I mean, we've been married to 18, she's, yeah, 19, almost 19 years now. So it takes time, but like we, I wasn't good at that for a long time. Yeah. My husband is my safe spot. And so he's probably the person that, if I'm angry, I'm like, no, I'm angry, and this is why I'm angry, but then I move on really quickly. Whereas if it was a friend or someone who hurt me, I probably wouldn't say anything, and then I'll replay it for years. But with my husband, I don't seem to do that because I'm hmm. quick to express how I feel. But I'm married to an eight, too. <laughs> so he needs my quick, like, he needs it right there fixed, and he needs me to speak. So that's been a learning process of yeah. literally just being so blunt. So with him, it's safe. I can do that, but I wouldn't with anyone else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it resolves it quickly. Yeah, it doesn't hold. It doesn't hang over my head when we talk it through quickly. And I acknowledge, no, I'm mad, and this is why I'm mad. Hmm. And you're wrong, <laughs> mm-hmm. or I'm wrong. At, you know, at times, because he's, you know, I'm aware, he's aware, and we can move on. <laughs> yeah. And you're not playing out scenarios. You're not so no, because uh, no, it's fixed immediately. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think it happens that often. But I do remember once that happening, and it was with my husband, too. I felt strongly about something, and I felt like he wasn't really hearing it. And I remember I had a knife in my hand at the time because um, wow. I was cutting <laughs> up going. chicken. I was making dinner. And I just remember, like, slamming the knife down in my hands down and, and directly saying how I disagreed with how he was looking at that, and I felt strongly the opposite way. I feel like that's kind of out of character for me, but I remember the good feeling of like, wow, I really just said that, but the, it doesn't, I don't do that very often. Mm. One time where I felt like it was productive. Mm. I feel like other times I've done it with him and maybe it's not so productive, but. Too risky. Yeah. Yeah. Is it worth it? It's always my thing. Is it worth it to go there? I feel like if I outburst without control, then I'll feel bad about it afterwards. But if I can kind of rein myself in and be direct or even blunt, but calculated in how I express my anger or how I'm feeling about something, I'll feel really good about that. And as someone who doesn't do that very often, it makes a bigger statement too, Mm. where someone can see that I'm actually very serious about this because I don't typically talk that way. Mm. So outburst, usually it just doesn't end well, and I feel terrible about it afterwards. Mm. But trying to like rein myself in, 
and kind of slowly letting that anger out, but actually letting it out and communicating it, that's something I can usually feel good about afterwards mm-hmm. and is productive. You have to honor that you're a nine. You're never going to be an, a, a type eight. You're never going to be any other type. You're always going to be a nine, and that's wonderful. That's, that's the, there's a gift to that. Uh, so you have to honor that, that. That's the way you'll be. You're not going to be the type of person that's going to explode and let it out there and then move on. Um, you're going to probably need to uh, think about it a little bit. Um, but as you've described, the accountability piece of I'm going to give myself a timeline and not just use the whole thing of I need to think about it as another mechanism of avoidance. And because then you just tend, you can forget about it or other priorities come in and you never deal with it. Um, but giving yourself that accountability and then expressing your feelings and doing it in the way that's true to you. But it, uh, it feels a little counterintuitive because you're moving forward rather than pulling back, right? And for all types, we've talked about this with, the, with other panelists, is whatever it is that you're going to do that's going to be a health move, it's always going to feel counterintuitive. The intuition, the natural intuition for you is going to be, no, don't do that, avoid that, keep the peace, keep the harmony, overthink it, play out different scenarios because that makes it feel a little bit better. And so it's a counterintuitive move, but it's still going to be true to your type as a nine that you're going to do it in probably a more gentle way, probably a bit less explosive than maybe someone else would do it. And then there's that feeling that comes along with it that, oh, that felt good. I spoke up and the issue is done now and I can move on. You know, there's less, less baggage you're bringing with you from uh, day to day. Let me ask you another crazy thing. But So do you ever... You have someone else's emotion. You got someone really high emotion in your face. Do you ever, okay, my ultimate goal here is to create harmony. Maybe if I meet their emotion with emotion, that's the quickest path to harmony. So I'll start yelling. Do you ever try that? I've done that a few times. It's kind of like some experiment. <laughs> I haven't done it with yelling, but with f- force. You know, someone who's strong. Maybe you need a He's strong, strong response. Yeah. But I'm doing it because I'm still playing games because I'm trying to get to, to harmony. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? That's interesting. Sure. I don't know. I But I felt like it was like that person kind of respected it because they stopped and then they listened. So I have tried that and it's worked for a short, I short little I think maybe what things. I'm getting at is the Enneagram has helped me understand that there's different people types and different people have conflict different ways. So maybe my best way to help find harmony again is to let those two eights go at it. And not step in. I, I don't know. It's, this what I, it's still me trying to calm everything down. But I have found myself doing that a few times. Well, the work of the, of the nine is not to um, do the opposite, just blindly do the opposite of what you normally do. That's not the work. The work is to recognize that there's a high side and a low side. The low side is driven by the compulsion. The compulsion is um, I cannot have any discomfort. Right, so I cannot have any disruption. I cannot have that. That's the compulsion. The high side is you are gifted at creating an environment of peace and comfort. That this is something that is your natural space and you inhabit it really well. And people around you are drawn to you oftentimes because of the comfort you create. Okay, That's huge. That's a gift for the world. 
and you're able to understand why there's disagreement and why there's conflict, and you're able to see a path forward on how to create peace. That is a gift. Not everybody possesses that. Uh, nines are really good at it for the most part. If they develop the skill, they can be very, very good at it. But it's becoming aware of when the compulsion is driving that as opposed to discernment. There's a difference. Discernment is your capacity to recognize, is this the right moment for this or not? Compulsion's not, it's blind. Compulsion just moves. It's stimulus and response immediately. No space in between to think. It's, oh, oh, trouble, right? So you don't even think, it's like you can see it in reflection. But in the moment, you're not thinking, oh, right now I'm feeling the compulsion of keeping the peace and harmony. So I'm actually going to vacate myself in some way and... I'm going to listen to everybody's you know, viewpoints and try to bring harmony. That's not what happens. It's automatic. And so to become aware is to be able to see yourself be yourself at any given moment. And then you're able to recognize, is the compulsion right now driving this thing that's happening? You know, when you can, you can't always see it. If you get your foreman storming in and you know speaks, it, it's too late. At that point, you're in automatic pattern. But the more you practice it, the more you can start to catch it live and begin making steps towards, oh, this is the compulsion. This isn't discernment. Mm-hmm. Or, geez, I don't know if it's the compulsion or discernment, but I'm still going to move forward to creating peace because that's what I'm designed for. And when you're able to use discernment, that's when it becomes really powerful. That's when you go from peace keeping to peacemaking. And that's when you can utilize that in in great measure because now you're also separating out. You know yourself. You know you're bringing yourself into it. You're not just vacating yourself. You're bringing your entire being into that process of peace making. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about us at www.theartofgrowth.org. That's the place to learn more about our comprehensive training and coaching programs for organizations around team health. And you can also reach out to us there about individual coaching as well. And there are many tools on the Art of Growth website to help you on your journey. We'd also encourage you to check out the main Art of Growth podcast. Grace and growth, my friends.